So these days leading up to Christmas, it's just a few days away, and they're easily filled with preparations, right? Maybe you're following an Advent devotional and you're already a few days behind, like we are. <laughs> Maybe you were hoping to have your tree up and the house, is, the house lit with lights and it just isn't happening this year. Maybe you're one of those cookie-baking extravaganza types who goes and buys 25 pounds of flour and bakes for 24 hours straight. I have a friend like that, and she spends a whole day, and you're going to spend a whole day cutting cookies. And you might have a Christmas gift wish list that's four times longer than your actual budget, and you're wondering how in the world to proceed. Um, as far as that one goes, I would say spend less. <laughs> Uh, keep, keep it within the budget. Um, but perhaps many of us are, are preparing to have guests in our homes. Maybe we'll be going to our friends' houses and, and you could put yourself in their shoes or, or remember a time when you have had people in your home for a special occasion, a birthday or a holiday, and you're starting to see your house with new eyes. Suddenly there are piles of mail on every surface and it is insufferable. <laughs> Would you please just take away the piles? <laughs> Maybe you have a leaky toilet or a leaky shower and you're, it needed to be fixed yesterday, but now the guests are going to be here and it must be fixed. Or the furnace probably should have been serviced or the oven where you've spilled pies three or four times should probably be cleaned and you need to stock up on groceries and pull out the fresh linens and clean all those places that you have regretfully ignored because if you're like me, you just can't find time to make that a priority until there's something pressing you to make it priority. And this kind of preparation, these final weeks before Christmas, they kind of remind me of this pregnancy phenomenon known as nesting. Um, if you have ever uh, had a child, uh, your wife may have gone through this or you have yourself gone through this. Um, it's this moment when a woman becomes keenly aware of all the tasks that must be done before her baby arrives. Now this nesting syndrome presents itself drastically differently in all of us. For some, it means the stereotypical readying the nursery and washing every garment and putting it in pristine piles to be worn by your baby. For some, it might mean scrubbing down the kitchen cabinets and stocking the freezer with crockpot meals and getting every drop of laundry done. And just a few months ago for me, as Junia's due date loomed, I did very little to prepare for the actual baby. I had no idea what I had or what I needed. What I knew needed to be done was the whole garage, including the floor, needed to be scrubbed and cleaned out. That's, that's the project that I chose and we took access to Goodwill and it's bizarre what we choose to, to make priority. But nonetheless, when someone is coming, someone is important is coming, we make preparations because we want to make space for them. And space in our minds with whatever is cluttering our heads up, we need to get that out of our heads so we can focus on the important one who is about to arrive. And in this season of Advent, the theme is preparation, coming. But what are we preparing for, and how can we prepare? So here we are on the second Sunday of Advent, and the invitation from the scriptures we've read, from Malachi especially, and the Gospel of Luke, the invitation is to prepare and repent. To prepare with repentance. Jesus has already come, right? 
But Jesus is coming again, and we must be ready to make space for the arrival of this penultimate, not penultimate, the ultimate guest in our lives, Jesus, the Savior of the world, to make space for him, to let every heart prepare him room. We have to begin with repentance. So our texts for today, if you were to look back over them later, um, you might find they're kind of weird and frankly very uncomfortable. They're not very happy, manger scene type of scriptures. John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins to everyone who would listen. And then this prophet Malachi that Chloe read for us, he wasn't much different. In fact, he describes the impending arrival of the Lord of hosts and how we have to go through a refining, purifying process before we stand before him. Now, in my mind at least, it's easy to make these two passages be just about the hardened criminal types who need to really repent. John the Baptist and the prophet Malachi, though, are inviting us, me and you, to repentance. In fact, I think, I'm sure, in fact, of Malachi's prophecy. It wasn't aimed at the lowest in society, the people in prison. It was aimed at the religious elite. It was aimed at the Levites, the priests, the ones who were supposed to have it all together. So there is no escaping the need to repent in order to make space for the coming of Jesus. Repentance, it's more than offering a simple, I'm sorry, right? It's easy to boil it down to that, especially once you have kids, you need to say you're sorry to your sister. But it goes beyond that, right? That's the first level. To repent, true True repentance means to change your mind, to turn around, to reorient yourselves. This kind of repentance is never easy. It requires a really long look inside of why did I just hit my sister? (laughs) What am I feeling inside? What dark, dirty thing came out of me in the form of smacking my sister? (laughs) And play that out in your own life. Why am I yelling at my kids? Why am I frustrated with my husband? Why can my boss not do anything right? What icky thing is happening beneath the surface to bring that sin out? Coming face to face with our truest selves, it can be embarrassing. And it's easy to then just say, oh, I don't know, I'm not going to deal with that, and deny it and cover it up once again. But we need to bring the sins into the daylight and let Jesus show us a new way of life, a completely new way of thinking to reorient our minds. I think this kind of true repentance is a bit like the way we go around readying our homes for coming babies or arriving guests We start to look at every room with new eyes. Oh, this is what my house looks like? (laughs) What if we began to look at ourselves, our deep down inside spirits with, oh, this is what I've got going on inside? Suddenly all the neglected things we've been denying 
They come screaming to the forefront and we're wondering how in the world we ignored these problems for so long. It's really difficult to see ourselves for who we truly are because we live with ourselves. This is the only way we think. This is the way we live. So it's really hard to get an objective opinion about the way that we think and feel and operate. We're so used to thinking and acting a certain way that we never stop to say, why? Or is that Christ-like? Is Jesus inviting me to change? What if we sat down this Advent season and made space for this repentance and preparation? What if we sat down with Jesus himself in our, the quietness in our own homes or in the car on your way to work and we asked him, who am I really? Would you show me the things that I've hidden about myself, the things that I don't even know about myself? And then what if we repented? I mean, really repented, not just said, okay, I'm sorry, moving on. Instead of just throwing the piles of clutter back in, the, in a different closet and hiding the mail under a fern, what if we actually went through and filed, hey, don't look at your wife. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> a little uh, accusatory glance. <clears throat> um, instead of putting the piles of mail underneath the things in our house, what if we went through them? And we said, well, this needs to be paid and this should be thrown out. What if we did that with our spirits? What if we said, instead of just stuffing down the, the junk that takes time and emotional energy to deal with, what if we actually dealt with it? I think Jesus wants to help us change our minds, to give us a new way of thinking and acting and being. And I can speak with personal confidence to how much freedom and healing comes when you begin to step into this process. I feel like I have been in a season for maybe the last couple of months, maybe the last year, where I have finally been ready to let Jesus show me my true self. To show me and expose to me some of the ways that I've been living selfishly and I had somehow convinced myself that I was good and generous. It is devastating to see yourself as you truly are and not just the self that you project. It is startling. It's really painful. But Jesus waits until we're ready to receive that and to say, okay, okay, that, yeah, I see that. I see how I really am. Now, can you help me move forward? Can you help me move in a new direction? He doesn't bring it up to us when we're feeling really insecure and really uh, shameful about ourselves. He brings it up to us when we're feeling a measure of his love, his love that undergirds the truth. In my own experience, I know that Jesus' timing is spot on. Like I said, he doesn't show us these things until we're ready to see them with grace instead of guilt. In those moments, I can look at the grossness that's been dredged up from the bottoms of my soul, and I can look with Jesus at them and say, okay, we can let go of that. I'm ready to move forward. Can you help me? And I'm pretty sure that question of, will you help me, Jesus, 
is like your little kid saying, Mommy, will you help me with this? Yes! Like you're so excited to help your child. Jesus is thrilled to help you change. So after I got over the shock of, oh, this is how I really am, I was ready for Jesus to help me forge a new path. So this true repentance, this change your mind, never going in that direction again kind of repentance, it brings us healing. It brings us wholeness that we can then bring into the world. Because repentance is just the beginning. Repentance is our first step of being healed and then being able to administer that healing work into this world. To join Jesus in bringing his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. Repentance is our healing. Now, Malachi talked about this in chapter 3, verse 2. It sounds really painful and just like punishment, this refining process. He says, for, for he, the Lord, is like refiner's fire and fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and purify the descendants of Levi, the priests, and refine them until they present offerings to the Lord out of righteousness. So I'm, I'm fairly certain that having impurities boiled off and being buffed until we shine and reflect the image of God is not super fun. I'm not promising that it's going to be easy. But God's desire is not evil. It's not to destroy us or even to punish us. God is bringing us wholeness making us holy. It's like pulling the silver out of the drawer that's been tarnished, and it takes time. It takes some work to buff away the tarnish so that you can see your reflection in it. That's what God is doing with us. That others may see the reflection of God in us. Because as we begin to reflect God, as we've forged a new path, a new way of thinking with our own repentance, that's when we begin to join him and invite others to join us in our journey towards wholeness and holiness. So real quick, we got to jump back to Malachi's prophecy. And I, I've said a couple of times, his words were meant for the, the priests, the Levites the, of the Jewish people. The priests served as guides. They were the go-between between between the people and God. And I'm wondering if you might remember a couple of months ago, maybe even just last month, when we were reading Hebrews week after week, and we were learning how to be priests with Jesus. So I'm going to be as bold as to say this prophecy of the priests of, of the old days in Malachi The prophecy applies to you and me because we are priests with Jesus. When we repent, we modern-day priests, we can serve as guides to those who aren't yet following Jesus. We are the way, you, you and I are the way that our families and our neighbors and our community will see what it's like to be healed, to be made whole by God. 
You and I are the glimpse of God's kingdom breaking through, breaking through the darkness, breaking through the brokenness. People see healing and wholeness in our lives, and they want it for themselves. So we're the go-betweens, we're the messengers, we're the John the Baptist proclaiming the way of the Lord to all who will listen. John the Baptist was a weirdo. (laughs) He was bizarre. I'm not saying you need to be a weirdo, (laughs) but he was a weirdo prophet who got it exactly right. He said, Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. Make a way for him. Repent. Be baptized. And he was right. Jesus went to John the Baptist and said, would you baptize me? The Messiah asked John to baptize him. John was a nobody. He was a monk, essentially, who lived his whole life alone in the desert. He he ate bugs dipped in honey. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't Dan Peterson's brand of honey. I'm pretty sure it was like pulling out of of the honeycombs in the trees himself with his fingers. And even if it's a good tasting bug, I mean, can you really just live on bugs and honey? (laughs) John had no political power, no religious power. But aside from all of that, he was just a regular guy. And isn't that us? We don't have any social power. Most of us don't have a seat around the table in Washington, D.C. We don't have a voice in Lansing. Many of us don't have a say at at town hall meetings or school board meetings. But what if Jesus is wanting us to be the ones to invite others to his table, into his church, his body that's being healed and made whole? What if we're the ones who get to invite our cousin and our neighbor and our coworkers to join us in this work of healing and wholeness, of redemption and restoration. We're the ones who go between God and the people who don't yet know God. The ones to extend the invitation and say, do you see what's happening in me? Would you you be a part of what's happening? So when it comes down to talking with someone about this Jesus healing kingdom, breaking through stuff, Um, you might actually feel like a bit of a weirdo. (laughs) The first time you start to say the name of Jesus to someone, you might feel like you're, you're wearing camel's skin and eating bugs. The first time you say, God's kingdom is coming, people might even call you a weirdo. (laughs) But I'm going to ask you to press through the awkwardness Because I'm telling you, if we're willing to do what Jesus asks of us, God's kingdom will break through. So what is Jesus asking of you today? What is Jesus inviting you to repent of? How is Jesus inviting you to participate in healing and wholeness Lord, drive me deep now to face myself so that I may see my capacity to deceive and willingness to be deceived.
my loving of things and using of people, my readiness to criticize and my resistance to create, my clamor for privilege and my silence at injustice, my seeking for security and forsaking the kingdom. Lord, grant me your peace and make me open and present to other people and your kingdom. Amen. So now as we turn to this table of Jesus, would you let him show you your truest self to expose the malfunctioning, misshaped spaces within you and to help you forge a new path, a path towards healing and wholeness. Allow Jesus to comfort you at his table.